0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm your host Harold Littlejohn. I'm glad you have a little time to spend with me today. I've really been looking forward to getting out into the great Chico weather again. It's not super hot, not cold at all, kind of chilly in the morning, but it's it's been really nice. So late summer is very nice. I know it's going to be fall soon, but I'm enjoying the weather right now. I think it's I think it's a great time to be in Chico. Just a really, really good time of year. I've been helping a lot of people. I'm a CPA. I do a lot of income tax work. I'm, of course, available for free consultations. So if you ever need me, just look up Harold Littlejohn. A lot of people are calling me. And when I ask, I always ask everyone I see, where did you hear about me? To make sure I can thank a client who might have referred me. Lately I've been getting lots and lots of referrals from Google. So the younger people who use their phones as their phone book all the time, and I know I, I use mine that way nowadays a lot. They're they're finding me on Google, so I'm very happy about that. But if you don't have Google available, you can call me at eight nine five three three five three. Like I say, there's lots of lots of good tax preparers in Chico. I'm feel like I'm one of them, and I do offer a free consultation. It might be over the phone. It might be in person. It depends what we need. I have been uh, very busy because what's interesting is the extension season, everybody thinks about April 15th as their tax due date. If you have a partnership or what's called an S corporation, which is a it's a business return that's sort of like a hybrid between a corporation and a partnership, Those tax returns have a due date every year of March 15th instead of April 15th. The problem is most businesses or a lot of businesses need to do extension returns because they can't always get everything perfectly ready by March 15th. Or When you have a professional help you with your taxes, obviously you can't come in on the day of March 15th and expect them to get it done that day which means that a corporation with their books probably needs to, most people have deadlines of at least three or four weeks ahead. I'm pretty flexible. I pretty much understand that around middle of March, middle of April, and I'll explain in a few minutes why middle of September and middle of October, I don't plan any vacations around that time. I make sure that I have limited Engagements or obligations family wise around that time because there may be some cases where I will have so much work close to the 15th. And one of the services I offer is not to be as strict as some places might be. I can't speak for other tax preparation services. I do know that one of the speakers that I've seen during my continuing education seminars where I go and learn uh, things from educational seminars in order to be a licensed cpa just like being a dentist or a lawyer or a doctor you have to have so many hours of continuing education one thing that i remember very specifically it was actually not a cpa it was an enrolled agent his office was in southern california i believe he was in the santa barbara area but it might have been the san diego area i can't i can't remember all of the details but he was a real entertaining speaker which helps when you're sitting at a seminar all day that starts at 8 a.m. in Redding, it's very nice to have somebody who can pep you up and sort of keep you awake. He had a system that I have never implemented at my office, and it goes like this. And I I don't remember the exact numbers and the exact time frames, but here's the way it worked. And we'll use April 15th as the deadline, because that's the main deadline for the individual tax returns. What he had was a system that he put, I guess, in a written thing in the mail or maybe on his website, and it basically said this, if you bring me your information after March 15th, which is 30 days ahead, you will get an additional $100 fee to my fee. If you bring it in after April 1st, which would be like two weeks ahead, it'll be a $250 extra fee. If you bring it in after April fifth, it'll be like a four hundred dollar extra fee. And if you if you can't bring it in by April fifth, we'll just do an extension. We won't even help you. It's an interesting way to go. And I suppose if you had more clients than you could possibly help, which I feel like sometimes I'm in that position, but then again, not really. I can always usually fit in one more. I don't have a problem with squeezing things like that. It's an interesting concept to do it that way, and it would lead to a more orderly April 15th because you would know by April 5th that you don't have to do any more. The problem is that's not the way all of the clients work, and that's not the way all the customers work. I don't want to feel like I'm being run over or stepped on, but if a client comes to me and it's April 11th or 12th if it's possible for me to fit that in without hurting my other clients who brought things more timely, I'm perfectly willing to at least try to get them done if they have a reason to get it done by the 15th. Many times, like I've said before, it's actually smarter to just do an extension. There may be things that we can work on between April and uh, June or something where we would actually figure out ways to lower your tax if we just had time instead of rushing. My point is, is that I am very flexible and I do work with people if possible to get things done by a certain deadline. Now, the reason I brought this whole thing up about tax season deadlines is that I just got done with my September 17th weekend, the 17th was a Monday, since the 15th was on a Saturday, all of those business returns I was telling you about, the S-Corps and the partnerships, and those include LLCs. Those were all due September 15th, so since the 15th was a Saturday, they were due Monday the 17th, I ended up having a mini April during the middle of September, and I'm not complaining because that means business is good, I got a lot of clients, everything's great. It's the idea that that is like the extension season for business returns. Now the big extension season coming up is the middle of October because all of the April 15th tax returns that were extended are now due 6 months later on October 15th. I just basically prepare for a week before that as if it was April and I don't make any plans so if I do have to work late, I will get the work done. The real problem with October versus April is that there are no further extensions. So in other words, you can't sit there April you can't sit there on October 15th and say, oh, we'll do another extension. Once October comes, that's the end. So it's real, it's a little bit, sometimes it's a little stressful, but I managed to alert all my clients in July. By end of July, early August, I send everybody a letter that needs to bring me more information, and I tell them I've got to have this in by, and I usually use a date like September 20th, even though that's not a hard and fast deadline, It alerts them that they need to call me and get the stuff in. So that's just my system. I just wanted to mention that some preparers are a lot more hard-nosed than I am. And there are times where the fee will be higher when it's a last-minute job, but I'll tell people that. I'll just say, you know what, I can do it by the 15th, but it's going to cost you X. And I quote them, X. If they don't want to come to me, they they can go down the street to Liberty Tax or... Plenty of, like I say, there's lots of good tax preparers in Chico. I'm not, I'm not recommending any, any in particular because I don't really know which ones are the best or which ones are the most economical. What I do know, fee-wise, I used to think I was high-priced. In the last 10 or 15 years, the landscape of tax preparation has changed even the ones that used to be considered budget, like H&R Block and Liberty Tax, from what I can see, they are not real cheap anymore. So I'm not saying they're not a good value. I'm not saying they aren't a good place to go. I'm just saying that when I've seen customers coming from H&R Block, Liberty Tax, Jackson Hewitt, any of the so-called budget preparers, I don't notice super low prices. That's I would just say... Buyer beware, and everybody needs to shop around. And I, for one, I'm sure a lot of other preparers are like me. I'm happy to give you a quote. I can't quote you exactly until I've seen the work you're bringing. But if you show me last year's tax and you show me what's happening this year, I can give you a pretty good ballpark. I can say something like, well, that should probably be, but that'll be, but, and I'll just stick to it, but I'll give you a range. I'll say, if you get it all to me really well, I'll try to stick to the low end. If it's tough, if it's tough work, and you bring me what I think you might bring me, I'll stick to the high end. But I'll say yours is going to yours is going to run between four and five hundred dollars. If you don't like that quote, it's you can look up a phone book or grab your Google phone and there's ten other people who can help you do your taxes. And I don't mean that facetiously or like a snotty kid. It's just that. When you're hiring a professional, you need to do your own due diligence, just like with your investments. You need to shop around. You need to get some quotes. And if you think somebody's too high priced, look elsewhere. I have no problem with that. And by the way, I also, I offer very low minimum fees. Some places, especially CPA offices, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure they're going to have a minimum fee that is not super low. I don't really know. I still do the occasional return for close to a hundred dollars. If it's very simple, I feel bad charging someone with limited, limited income. I just feel bad charging. them when I know I can do the job very quickly and very efficiently. So I do offer some fairly low prices. I don't, I have not set a minimum these days. Of course, once you get into a Long-form tax return with business schedules, rental schedules, itemized deductions, child credits, education credits. There's so many things these days with so many different numbers, it's incredibly complicated to say, oh, I have a short form. There's very few people these days that I see who truly have a short form. The ones that do, and that's why the landscape of tax preparation has been changing, The real short forms can do it themselves online for free. I'm not sure where. I think the IRS allows short forms to be e-filed for free. I think the Franchise Tax Board has the same service. So these days, instead of like 20 years ago, if a student has a couple of W-2s and they want to get a refund of some withholding, 20 years ago, they probably wouldn't. A lot of them would go to a tax preparer and get it done, get it e-filed and get the refund and pay for that service. Nowadays, they can go online, e-file a simple return by themselves and get their refund on their own without even paying a fee to get it done. That's where when I say the landscape for tax preparation is changing, the small so-called budget tax preparation places like H&R Block, Jackson Hewitt, Liberty Tax, those are the three that come to mind they've lost a big part of their market cuz the big part of their market used to be the simple returns that were pretty easy and fairly low priced for fee wise and those are going by the wayside the young people are all online they're all most of them are pretty computer savvy there's still a lot of the well my generation I we don't discuss we don't discuss ages on business buzz but my generation still has quite a few people who really are a short form, but they just prefer to have someone help them with it. They don't want to do it online. They choose not to, which is fine. But my whole point of this is that my office does take into account the fact that some people can't afford a minimum of $400 for a tax return, and I do work with those type of people also. And it's sort of a case-by-case basis. It's definitely based on how much work there is. Some of my clients, they'll have two or three rental forms and they, once in a while, they look at the bill because it might be creeping up a little each year and they, they kind of complain about the price and I just tell them, you know what, uh, I think you're getting a good value and if you want to shop around, you can check out the other guys, but I don't think you're going to find that I'm that expensive, but that's, of course, that's, that's the nature of free enterprise. The problem is these days there's so little free enterprise going on anymore in the world that people forget that competition is the natural friend of markets. In other words, what is the correct price for a tax return? A free economy with competition like we have here anywhere, Chico, uh, the big city, the Bay Area, LA, it's it's all over the place. You have individual businesses charging the price they feel is their price, and it's a free market economy. So if you ask what's the price of a tax return, it's the price that is being charged at all the free market business people that prepare taxes. That's a free market. The problem is, like I've explained before with your stock market and your bond market and your currency markets, they're not free. They are manipulated, and they're fake. So fake markets are fake markets, but things like, well, what's a gallon of milk? What's the, what's the correct price of a gallon of milk? Well, of course, that could have some government intervention also. But I would say it's better to say, like, well, what's the fair price for a set of tires? Well, go find out what it is, because that's, that's the free market with all the tire dealers. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you're here. Stay tuned for Business Buzz. I'll be right back after the break. How are you going to get to the Sacramento airport? Use North Valley Shuttle. It's easy online at NorthValleyShuttle.com. Don't be that person who bugs their friends or family to take you. Book online right now at NorthValleyShuttle.com. North Valley Shuttle has added new departure and arrival times each week for your convenience. Serving Chico, Paradise, Oroville, Gridley, Live Oak, and Yuba City Marysville. North Valley Shuttle gets you there quickly and safely. Leave the car at home and let NorthValleyShuttle.com do the driving. License PSC 2079. Pogo's Pizza says, Stand up and salute our local men and women who are first responders. From EMTs, fire and police departments that serve and protect our communities, to those serving in our military, let's remember those lives lost and show our appreciation for their dedication. That message, courtesy of Pogo's Pizza, your complete pizza contractors with a reputation for quality food at prices you can afford. Call them at 707 277 7777. That's Pogo's Pizza in Lakeport, on the air. Chico's Christian Radio. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you have a little time this afternoon to spend with me. Maybe you're driving to pick up kids at school. I know that's a popular activity between 2 and 4 p.m. in Chico. I notice it every time I get out and drive around at that time of day, and I regret that I did, but it's always fun to see the kids having a good time. So a couple things. I have to bring up this news story. I'm going to figure out how to relate it to business. Well, I guess I'll put it this way. If you're in business... You need to be careful who and what are using your business internet. I'll try to go into detail without too much detail because I don't know all of the detail. Here's what I've been he- reading and here's what I've been hearing. Has anybody heard the story of the Sunspot New Mexico Solar Observatory that was Shut down by the FBI on September 6th, and I believe it's just been reopened about two weeks after that, uh, close to the 20th or so. Here's what's interesting. There was all kinds of theories about on the internet of why did they shut this down so quickly. Then they shut the post office down nearby. They evacuated the whole area. Here's what's really interesting. A lot of people were saying, oh, they spotted a bunch of aliens, or the the Chinese were hacking into our satellite systems through this observatory. So I just read this morning, because I'm always interested in these kind of stories, whenever there's a shutdown of a government place for no announced reason, I'm always wondering, well, what the heck is going on? So the latest I've read, and I'm not certain that it's correct, so don't quote me, I'm just a... Just a little CPA in Butte County, California, airing the Business Buzz radio show. That's all I'm doing. So the last I heard this morning was the reason this place got shut down was somebody through the internet connection at that location had something to do with child pornography. And that's been a big topic lately, and there's been a lot of arrests and crackdowns on on uh, child traffickers and kiddie porn. But I just thought that was very interesting that after two weeks of wondering what the heck would shut down an observatory with no explanation from what I'm reading, and I'm definitely, I'm going to follow up on it because I I read a lot of news during the day, more than just business news, because to me, a lot of business news is boring. The business news I bring to you on Business Buzz is the non-boring stuff, but a lot of it is very boring. I am very interested in this observatory thing. And the reason I bring that up for business locally is this. If you are a business person and your Internet at your office is being used by somebody doing that on their private computer, you can end up getting in big trouble. And I've heard of this before. If you have an Internet system at your house or your office, you need to make sure you set a password to get into that system. In the old days, I remember 15, 20 years ago, you could set up your internet. It was always a big job to get it set up and working right. But when you had your Wi-Fi at home 15 or 20 years ago, many times it was not required that you set a password up. And that means that somebody could drive by your house, park in front of your house, and download uh, illegal things onto their computer through your Wi-Fi and the government could actually, would actually track that downloaded illegal things to your Wi-Fi. So it's just a warning. And I've heard that for a long time. My Wi-Fis are all uh, password coded. I've never had an issue myself. And of course, I trust the people that work for me. The point is, is that you cannot risk somebody using your internet for any illegal files of any kind. And it would be very bad. But I just thought it was really interesting. If you're interested in that story, you can Google. I would just Google sunspot observatory shut down and you'll find tons of articles. But what I'm saying is that after two weeks of not knowing what the heck happened, that story is the first one that's a plausible explanation of why the FBI would step in and shut a place down to do an investigation. Now, the initial story I read mentioned that it might be the janitor doing it. But in my opinion, that would be the cover story of somebody doing it there. And of course, they're going to blame the janitor. It's like the butler did it, right? It's never the, the homeowner. That was an interesting diversion. Now we're back to business buzz. Well, business is great in Chico. The new tax law has lowered everyone's taxes but I've been hammering away at a company that you might own in your portfolio and you might not even know it. And it is called, well, let's pretend it's a crossword puzzle. It's a five letter word that starts with T and it's the last name of a very famous scientist. You got it. It's Tesla. I still can't believe Tesla's family doesn't, doesn't, uh, demand royalties for the name, but I'm not sure how the legalities of that works. So I got another really good article regarding Tesla. This one came out on September 19th, and it is called, uh, quoting Bob Lutz, and I'll explain who he is in a minute, Tesla headed to the graveyard as global competition is coming. This is a short article, so I'm going to share it with you. With Tesla shares reeling after the company confirmed reports that the DOJ, which is Department of Justice. Yeah, I know it's that it's that place that doesn't normally do anything. The DOJ had launched a criminal probe into the company over CEO Elon Musk's infamous going private tweet. Now, remember, I told you about that a month or two ago. He announced on a tweet at like 3 a.m. that he was taking the company private. And his stock alone, his share of Tesla stock alone went up over, I believe, a billion dollars worth in a half hour after he said that. So now the Department of Justice is launching a criminal probe into that uh, announcement. Uh, Has also subpoenaed Goldman Sachs and Silver Lake Investments. The bears are stepping up and twisting the knife. Now, remember, bears are people that think the stock's going down like I do and this is not investment advice it's for your entertainment purposes but I'm reading you an article during an interview with CNBC former General Motors vice chairman Bob Lutz okay let's stop there General Motors vice chairman this guy knows something about the auto industry okay this is not this is not some internet dude eating cheetos in his parents basement uh Former General Motors vice chairman Bob Lutz suggested that Tesla's shares, which have persistently ranked among the most widely shorted among major U.S. firms, will soon spiral to zero because, quote, the jaws are tightening, and I think in another year or two we'll see a movie called Who Killed Tesla, a conspiracy movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio. That's what he said. Lutz, who has been a regular Tesla critic in recent years, argued during an interview that aired during the closing bell that Tesla will never make money on the Model 3 because the cost is way too high. He's got 9,000 people in that assembly plant producing less than 150,000 cars a year. The whole thing just doesn't compute. It's an automobile company that is headed for the graveyard, he said on closing bell. Musk has been banking on the success of the Model 3 to prove that Tesla can succeed as a mass-market automobile manufacturer, But the car and its customers have been plagued by massive delays in delivery as Tesla has struggled to meet production goals, even resorting to assemble some Model 3s by hand in a tent outside the company's Fremont factory. Now, Business Buzz listeners know all about that. I I filled you in on that weeks ago. While Musk has been heralded as a visionary by some, Lutz believes that Musk is a nice guy who doesn't know how to run a true car company. But, the fact, but perhaps the biggest near-term threat for Tesla is the fact that the SEC likely won't allow it to raise new capital while the DOJ investigation is ongoing, which could be hugely problematic as the company struggles to make several large debt payments due later this year and in 2019 as the company is already, quote, hemorrhaging cash. Lutz added that Tesla will continue to struggle on the face of long-anticipated competition, coming not only from Audi, but Mercedes, BMW, and Porsche. So I'm coming up on break number two. I just wanted to let you know that it appears that real car companies like Mercedes, Audi, BMW, and Porsche have some kind of all-electric car in the works. And trust me, when a company that big comes out with something, they won't have a problem manufacturing the numbers they need. I'll be right back after the break. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. If you want your life to count, if you want to make right decisions before God, then we must consult the authority of God. He's revealed in his word all that he wants us to do and say. Moses didn't have that privilege. We have it. We have a wonderful book to consult, which is God's authority. David Hawking shares how we can honor God's authority in our lives and hearts this week on Hope for Today. Join us. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Here's Rick Box, founder of Unconventional Business Network, with today's Integrity Moment. Tom Hill, my friend in St. Louis, is an inspiration for many. His sense of adventure at 83 years old is remarkable. Tom runs 15 miles each week, and he recently registered for a marathon. His Eagle Summit Conference inspires hundreds of leaders, and Tom travels frequently, encouraging others. Tom reminds me of Caleb. In Joshua 14, Caleb said, I am 85 years old today. Now then, give me this hill country, about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there, with great fortified cities." At 85, Caleb didn't want the easy path. He waged war in the mountains against the Giants and their fortified cities. Thanks, Tom and Caleb, for encouraging us to be adventurous regardless of age. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Why well, the basketball court all wet? Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm glad you have a chance to spend part of your afternoon with me. I'm enjoying a, another lovely Chico day, so I guess that's why we choose to live in Chico. One of my theories is when you're in a place like Chico as opposed to a place like San Jose or Oakland or, you know, those big, big hustle bustle towns with traffic and no parking and the whole mess. One of my major things is, well, the people here, for the most part, have chosen to be here, as opposed to the people there, for a lot of them, didn't have a choice. That's where their job was, that's where the silicon factory is, that's where the computer place is, wherever they work. That's one of the trade-offs we make. Our our houses here, if you have a median-priced home, has probably gone up from two fifty to three fifty in the last five years or something. I, I don't know all the numbers. Down there it's gone from five hundred to nine hundred, but the price we pay is we get to enjoy every day. In the meantime, we just don't make quite as much money on the sale of our residence. I have been warning you and remember my job here on Business Buzz is it's my my self-appointed role as host of Business Buzz is not to educate you on income tax even though I do some of that it's not to recommend investment decisions because this is not investment advice I'm not a certified financial planner I am just a CPA and I always recommend you do your own due diligence but I consider it my duty to be the devil's advocate and the second opinion on your money and your investments. So I constantly give you the other side of the story. Remember Paul Harvey? I used to enjoy listening to him on vacations. I I didn't listen to him at home, but I remember when I was on a driving vacation with my dad who loved to drive all over the western U.S., he would ask me to take trips with him because... Well, my mom wasn't that big on traveling in a car for hours every day and going to ghost towns in the middle of Montana, but I enjoyed it. So I was, I was in the car a lot and I remember we used to look forward to hearing Paul Harvey every, I don't know, every couple of hours during the day. I don't remember, but he was always the guy, here's the rest of the story. Well, here's the, I'm giving you the other side of the story. When you think about what you own in money-wise, what do you think about? You probably first think about your bank account balance. You might think about your stock account balance or your retirement fund balance, which has stocks and bonds and maybe cash, whatever. But it's pretty much paper money with a statement that they tell you, you have this. What is it that you actually own? You own, you own an obligation of another party to give you back something, and in this case, they're going to give you back U.S. dollars. U.S. dollars, since 1971, have no intrinsic value other than what's called the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. The U.S. government, since 2008 has doubled the national debt and has given away trillions of U S dollars to various banks all around the world. The stock market has gotten to new all time highs, but if you're an average person like me, you don't have that much in the stock market. So what do you really own? That's what we're talking about here. What you own in your stocks, your banks and your retirement plan, you own a claim against another party to give you something which has no intrinsic value. So right there, you've got two layers of risk in everything you think you own that's dollar denominated. Your first layer of risk is, will that person give it back to you? In other words, if the stock market were to crash and go to zero... Or if there was another big 9-11 terrorist attack and they shut the stock markets down for two weeks, could you even call your broker to tell them to sell everything and send you a check? There's a good chance you could not do that. At least you couldn't do it very quickly. So the first layer of risk you have in what you say you own is whether the other party will give it back. You may say, oh, well, now my money's in the bank. They have to give it back. There, and I don't have a quote in front of me, but there is a court case. I believe it's from England, but that's considered common law. And the bottom line of common law is this. Your deposit, when you put money into the bank, you have lent the bank your money, and that is not your money anymore. You've lent the money to your bank. You might say, well, my bank is FDIC insured up to, I think it's $250,000 per account now. Don't quote me on that. Call your bank. Uh, I'm not financial advice. I'm here for entertainment purposes. Well, here's another thing. I've told you about this before. The FDIC has about one penny on hand for every $1,000 of deposits in the country. The FDIC is not a real backstop either. So so you're, and I'm not going to get into the FDIC as a complete another level, but it is. So your first level of risk, like I just said, is that the thing you call your money already has what's called counterparty risk. In other words, first you have to get it back from somebody else. That's your first level of risk. Your second level of risk is that what is it they have to give you back? What they have to give you back is U.S. dollars. I've explained this before on Business Buzz, and I mentioned it again today. Since 1971, the U.S. dollar is not exchangeable for silver or gold. It simply has value based on the full faith and credit of the United States. I'll, I'll put it this way. If I do some work for you and I tell you, okay, uh, the bill is $200, 200 U.S. dollars, and you write me a check on your bank that I will put into my bank that says pay to the order of Harold Littlejohn $200, I am willing to take that risk of, number one, the banks aren't going out today. They're not going under today. And the U.S. dollar still has value. I can still turn around and go to the grocery store and pick up something real like a carton of eggs and uh, uh, you know some vegetables for the money you gave me and that'll work. So I will take on that risk. I will accept that paper dollars from you and I'll take the risk for now. But what I've got now is U.S. dollars. This morning, the U.S. dollar dropped 0.7% in value. That means that for every dollar that you own, you lost almost a penny of purchasing power this morning. I'm not sure what happened the rest of the day. When you see that, if you saw the stock market go up this morning to new records, a big part of the reason for that is that the US dollar just went down in value. So if your stocks went up by 0.7%, you broke even today because the dollar went down by 0.7%, at least it did this morning. That is my point. My point is what you think you have isn't real. It's only real if people accept those dollars. The article I'm going to share with you next, and we are coming up on break number three, but I'm going to get it started before we leave. So I'm going to get you so enticed by this subject that you will not be able to turn the dial when the break comes. I've got an article dated September 13th. It's from a place that I have to give credit to because I am re, I'm replaying, I'm reading the article. The website's called goldswitzerland.com and the article is called A Submerging Global Economy. And the author of this is my favorite author, Egon von Greyers. Many emerging markets, now remember I've been telling you about Venezuela for months. Many emerging markets are now turning to sub- submerging markets as country after country is experiencing falling, failing economies, currencies, and stock markets. The currency is often the best indication of a country's economic health. Just look at these six currencies submerging into obscurity. And he's got a little table. It starts off with Russia. Currency drop since the start of 2018. That's only nine months. Russia, 18%. Brazil, 23%. South Africa, 25%. Turkey, 42%. Argentina, 50%. You ready for this one? Venezuela, 99.9% in the last nine months. Currency contagion is spreading. But these are just some of the worst ones. The currency collapse is spreading like wildfire. High inflation and hyperinflation is hitting country after country. Here are some more countries with collapsing currencies in 2018. Sudan down 61%. Angola down 39%. Liberia down 18%. India down 12%. The list goes on. There are at least another 15 countries whose currencies have lost 10% or more against the dollar in 2018. Many major stock markets around the world are also telling us that the global economy is now starting a secular bear market. China is down 25%, Brazil 20%, Turkey 23%, Italy 16%, Spain down 15%, Germany down 10%, England down 10%. The emerging market ETF, which is the electronic traded fund, is down 20%. The BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, encompass 40% of the world's population and has a GDP gross domestic product of $20 trillion. Therefore, the weakness that these economies are showing is an ominous sign for what is to come. Their downturn so far is obviously not on the scale of Venezuela or Argentina, but it is an indication of how the world economy is starting to fray at the edges. Emerging dollar debt disaster. An economic downturn would not be so serious if the world wasn't indebted up to the hilt. Western economies have debts that they can never repay, but it is even worse for submerging markets since their growth has been financed to a large extent with U.S. dollar debt. Submerging market debt was eight trillion in 2000 and is now approaching $50 trillion. Here's the problem. They have to pay this debt back in, in U.S. dollars and their currency's going worthless. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Remember, we're making lemonade out of lemons, folks. Be right back. Stay tuned. I'm Scott Allred. I'm Ben Taney. and I'm Matt Four. This is Jessica Wilkerson, one of your hosts of Chico Now. A half-hour designed for the community and brought to you by the community. Each day, one of our hosts will join with people from organizations throughout the greater Chico area. We want to let you know what's happening in Chico now. So join us at 12:30, Monday through Friday, here on KKXX for Chico Now. America, bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. America, bless God. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA, keeping you posted, making lemonade out of lemons. And the reason that's the case is that negatives in the world economy don't have to be negative for you if you protect yourself with money insurance. So I'm going to continue with this article because I think it's important you understand what's going on. And what I was saying is that these debts are in U.S. dollars. In other words, if you're living in, say, Turkey, and the Turkish lira has gone down 40%, but you owe a bank $10,000 U.S. dollars, well, that money that you were saving to pay the $10,000 U.S. dollars got knocked down to being half of that. Now you've got twice as much debt to repay. you got more. Now you're going to work twice as hard for twice as long. Chances are you're not going to be able to repay the debt. It's like right now. If all of a sudden your mortgage is, let's say your mortgage is, two hundred thousand dollars. And let's just say you're let's say you have Turkish lira because you're from Turkey, but your mortgage is in U.S. dollars. And now the Turkish lira is worth half of what it was a year ago. You now owe the equivalent of what was four hundred thousand dollars when you took out the mortgage. You're not going to be able to repay it. That's what this article is talking about. So I'm going to keep reading. This isn't much longer, but it's very important. The dollar denominated part of this debt has grown exponentially. And since most of these countries' currencies are falling substantially against the dollar, they are likely to default on their debt in coming years. Then he's got some graphs and it says dollar denominated debts have gone up five to 10 times for most of these countries. The currency of virtually every country in the graph is going down rapidly and will continue to fall until it becomes practically worthless. And uh, it just shows graphs of China, Korea, Malaysia, India, Indonesia. Now he's going to talk about Argentina's interest rate. Now remember, Argentina is not the real bad one. Venezuela is the really bad one where it's, it's completely gone worthless. The currency is virtually worthless. Argentina is the one that's lost 50% of its value in nine months. If we have a quick look at Argentina, we can see the pattern that will hit not only emerging markets but also the West. With high inflation and the Argentine peso collapsing 50% this year, Argentina has raised interest rates to 60%. Now, remember, interest rates right now, even on a U.S. credit card for the worst credit risk in the country, isn't much more than 25 or 30%. Argentina, the rates are 60% for regular interest. No country can cope with interest rates at 60%, especially not one with a heavy debt burden. So rates at that level is total lunacy and will quickly kill the patient if it continues. The message cannot be clearer. Debt growing exponentially and totally out of proportion to the growth of gross domestic product will eventually lead to a currency collapse and then default. The world could deal with Argentina defaulting. It has happened numerous times already. Same with the catastrophic Venezuelan economy. Although there is a total collapse of both the economy and society, it will not in itself have global ramifications. So what he's saying is that if one or two countries had this going on, it wouldn't mean a huge global problem. But he says mole hills mounting. As often is the case, trouble starts in the periphery. So what we are seeing now are not single incidences of a localized problem. Mole hills are popping up in country after country, and it will soon spread to the West. And then it's interesting because there's a cartoon in this article, and it's George Washington with a big strong arms and a mallet, and he's got a U.S. dollar T-shirt on, and he's playing that game called whack-a-mole with all these little moles popping up with, like, uh, Brazilian flags, and uh, Indian flags and all that. So it's pretty entertaining. So I'm going to continue. Patience, a lost virtue. A few years ago, I was asked in an interview, what were some of the most important things I have learned during a long life in business? Patience was my very clear answer. When you were young, everything must happen quickly. Instant gratification is a major part of today's culture, with most people being restless and ungrounded. It is the same for young and old. No one can sit still for more than a second until they get their iPhone out. Mobile phones are today's cigarettes. Without them, people get anxious and twitchy. But sadly, they also get twitchy with them. Even worse, when young people get together, it is more important to communicate with the rest of the world on Instagram or Snapchat, rather than to talk to your friends sitting next to you. And anyone who sends an email or a message expects an instant response. 100 years ago, you wrote a letter to someone on the other side of the Atlantic and it would take many weeks before you had a reply. In many respects, quality of life was better than that today. But the technological evolution is happening at an ever-increasing speed. Then he goes on to talk about robots and artificial intelligence. Coming, but I'm going to skip that part. Coming back to patience is a, is a virtue that is sadly disappearing from our lives. When it comes to investment decisions, it is today all about short-termism. But Warren Buffett has taught us that long-term value investing can be incredibly successful. Now, here he's going to talk about gold again. Gold, a bargain in early 2000s and a bargain today. In the late 1990s, I considered that the risks in the world economy were becoming very dangerous. After the 80% tech crash of 2000 to 2002, we decided that risks still remained very high due to debt and derivatives. The gold price had not reflected this risk, and after a 20-year fall from the 1980 $850 peak, gold had bottomed at $250 in 1999 and was still only $300 in early 2002. We considered that to be a bargain, especially since it looked like gold was turning up. Remember that to be successful in investing, you mustn't buy what everyone else buys, like gold at $800 in 1979, or the NASDAQ at the end of 1999. Whenever the media starts covering an asset class on the front page, then the risk is already much higher. The time to buy is when an asset is unloved and undervalued, like gold in 2002. Gold then started a six year uptrend until a temporary peak at 1030 in 2008. The next intermediate top was in September 2011 at $1,930. Gold held up between 16 and 1750 until 2013 when it came down to 1200. Since then, gold has been in that region for five years. We have not changed our views on risk or gold as protection against global risk. Obviously, we have not sold any gold. Patiently, we have waited for several years since the last peak. The reasons for holding gold in 2002 have certainly not diminished. Instead, since 2006 risk has increased exponentially with the debt and asset explosion the world has experienced. If we add that to that, the derivatives, pensions, and other unfunded liabilities, total risk is now in the quadrillions of dollars. And I'll just say that a quadrillion is so big that it's not even fathomable. fathomable. It's not even fathomable to calculate. That's all I'm going to say. Thus, the reason for buying gold today is much greater than in 2002, but the price of gold and silver is not reflecting this risk. Sentiment is silver to what it was in 2002. Gold and silver are again unloved and undervalued. This means that the timing is perfect for acquiring gold and silver for wealth preservation purposes. Then he goes on to say, problems in periphery will spread to the center. To understand what will happen next... Let's go back to the periphery to see what has hit some countries already. A drop in the currency is just one side of the equation. The other side is, of course, how gold reveals the mismanagement of the country and also protects against a total loss of wealth. And he has has another chart of those countries I mentioned before with the currency drop and next to that, the increase in the gold price during 2018. I'm going to give you some of those. Uh, Now, gold is down in 2018. That's why these numbers work out kind of funny. Uh, Russia, 18% drop in currency, 14% increase in the gold price. Turkey, 42% drop in currency, 56% increase in the gold price. Argentina, 50% drop in currency, 100% increase in the gold price. Venezuela, 99.9% drop in currency, increase in gold price, 2.3 2.3 million percent. That's 230 million times one. So if gold was $1,000 in Venezuela, if gold was 1,000 Venezuelan bolivars, it is now, and I'm going to try to do the math right, 230 billion bolivars for one ounce of gold. That's what I'm talking about here with this problem of what's called hyperinflation when currency starts going down. Venezuela is a clear basket case with the currency worthless, but with a gold price at 300 million bolivars, any Venezuelan who owned a bit of gold from the beginning of this year or even better for a few years would not be in the desperate situation that almost everyone is in Venezuela currently. The same with the other countries. By holding physical gold and some silver, you are not just insuring your wealth from the destruction of paper money, but also from a potential bail-in or a collapse of the banking system. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second. I've mentioned bail-ins before, but I want to remind you what a bail-in means. A bail-in, which is legally on the books in Europe, and I believe it's on the books here, if the banks were to collapse... Instead of you getting your money back with FDIC insurance, you might end up holding the stock of the bank as an asset, as an equity holder, and owning part of the bank, but not being entitled to get your money back from the bank. That's called a bail-in. We have a number of warning signs from around the world currently. The dark years have already started in the periphery and will move quickly to the center. Some stock markets like in the U.S. are still near their peak. Fundamentally, the bubble markets can crash at any time. The technical signals are now indicating that crash is imminent. Same with gold and silver. They are poised for a resumption of the long-term uptrend and a major move up. Remember, this is not financial advice. You need to do your own due diligence. You need to double-check everything I'm telling you. And I am not a financial advisor. I'm here for your entertainment. These moves could happen any day. If they are delayed for a brief period, it would make no difference. The world economy will turn this autumn, and the consequences will be horrific for the world. And that's from Egon von Greyers at goldswitzerland.com. Like I said, negatives turn into positives on business buzz. That's my job. I'm making sure that you at least take part of your money and convert it to real money, which would be some physical gold and possibly silver as when the currency goes down people start hurting like it says venezuela the the currency is pretty much worthless and that's that's my main point of reading that article you need to protect yourself well i always like to finish on a up note i've only got a couple minutes left before business buzz ends for a for another lovely weekday afternoon again i want to tell you how glad i am that you have time to spend with me on this on this nice chico Sunny afternoon. So what I thought I'd do since I only have a couple minutes left is read you a little bit of the Miracle Business Method, which will be being published, uh, published this fall. This section's called Try This Tip to Free Your Mind, and this is about not making decisions. I decided for four hours in a confined space to try to not express any opinions. This is a great workout for your, guests, for your quest toward becoming more nonjudgmental. One of the miracle business methods, pillars, is to become non-judgmental as a way to clearing your mind and making better decisions. I admit I slipped and did mention that while driving that a particular song was my favorite from a particular band. Notice that this slip-up seems like nothing. However, this exercise is not about only not expressing opinions about big topics, it emphasizes no opinions on any subject. This helps your mind stop judging all day long. As a bonus, it also removes the natural stress that giving opinions creates. When after you have expressed your opinion, you get anxious whether someone is going to disagree with you, forcing you to defend your opinion. How ridiculous to do that all day long, but you probably do. Try this simple exercise today. It feels very freeing and allows you to clear your head and do much better decision making. That's all I really have time for today. I just wanted to share that. It's from my uh, upcoming book, The Miracle Business Method. If you find yourself being judgmental, always having favorites, always having things you don't like, things you like, try going a couple, just start, I mean, start with 10 minutes because this is it's so normal for us to do this that it happens all the time. Try going for 10 minutes, forming no opinions and making no judgments. Let me know how that makes you feel. It always helps me when I do that. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'll be back next time. Take care. KKXX, Paradise. K280GL, Chico. And K283AR. This hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. The odds of a dramatic Senate hearing next week with both Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and the woman accusing him of sexual assault appear to be getting better. In an email to the Senate Judiciary Committee, Christine Blasey Ford's lawyer says her client wants to testify next week if a deal can be reached on terms that are fair and ensure her safety. It's a sharp switch from statements this week in which Ford and her lawyers insisted she would only testify after the FBI investigated her allegations, which put the hearing in doubt. The lawyer Says Ford still strongly prefers an investigation, but stops short of demanding it. There is at least one obstacle to overcome the hearing scheduled for Monday, which the lawyer says is not possible.